Oh God, what's happening? Oh no! We're being invaded. It's it's all just just cable news. <laughs> it's all dog news. All oops! It's all dog news. So hello everyone, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. We're getting a dog. Yeah, welcome everybody to uh, this week's a uh, little bit different of an episode from We're Getting a Dog. And if I sound a little bit different, I'm testing a new microphone on this ah, episode. Yeah. So, yes, that's our that's our thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, welcome to uh, the all dog news episode of yes. We're Getting a Dog. Yeah, I started a new job this week working at Starbucks. Uh-huh. So. I forgot about this episode. Well, I <laughs> so mean, it's a little last minute. You've been training, <laughs> together an learning episode. a lot, and you know, I'll have to get used to recording schedule while I'm working, and especially waking up so early. Jeez. Best part of waking up is going to Starbucks, making people coffee. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, first dog news story for this week. Uh, it comes from Space.com. Is that? Are, is it written in space? Um, yeah, we're in space, so yes. In space. Technically. Uh, well, that's that's a point, yeah. So the article title is... Kind of meta. Article title, NASA satellites help dogs hunt for otter and mink poop. Well, that's important. Uh, are these... Let's preface. These people don't want to make coats, do they? <laughs> what, you think they're following sus. minks? Is that, <laughs> yeah. That's what NASA's... Where are all the minks? We have a need for coats. I don't think Lucille no. Ball is working for NASA, so I think... I suppose. I don't think we have any, yeah, any like, post-Depression era stars <laughs> who need coats. It's the only time I've heard, yeah, mink coat <laughs> referenced. <laughs> so yeah, it's an article by Elizabeth Howell. And uh, the subtitle is, uh, The NASA-funded study hopes to extend the hunt for pollutants into space to help dogs and their science partners hunt for smelly scat. Oh, wow. That's that's the alliteration right there. <laughs> smelly scat. Smelly scat. Sm- that's probably copyrighted. <laughs> so, yes, from space.com, uh, a pack of pooches joined their human scientist partners to scoop wild wastewater in western Montana. Ooh, we have a friend in Montana, Brandon. Yeah, hi, Brandon. Did hi, you Brandon. see those dogs? Yeah. Looking for otter poop? Let us know if you see any dogs looking for poop. <laughs> their goal? Finding where pollution enters the environment to stop contaminants in their tracks. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I've read a lot about, too. I mean, I thought at first when I saw this article, I didn't read it. I just saw the title. Maybe they were looking for any kind of, like non-recorded people who had traveled or like evidence of civilization or anything like that because i know in a lot of archaeological digs you can use feces as a way of determining like who lived there what they were eating like just based on the certain things inside of it that's gross but it's science so oh yeah but you know it's otters and minks otters and minks so the article goes on to say the 2021 dog survey brought together satellites scientists from nasa and the nonprofit Working Dogs for Conservation, trying to save precious time before it's too late for living things throughout the region to recover. The dogs mostly rescued from shelters, actually. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they dove into the field in a rare space partnership to see how well satellites could bring the canines to smelly scat, which may contain residues of artificial contaminants entering the food chain. That's an interesting venture, because I bet now that is a main concern. Yeah, I don't know exactly why otter and mink poop contain residues of artificial contaminants. Well, I mean, they're minks are rodents, so 
They're not artificial, though. Well, no, but <laughs> they could eat things that have gotten into the soil or the water, right. you know, or the food chain. That's interesting, though. I mean, hmm. I didn't realize that satellites could play a part in finding poop. That's yeah, it just had to do new with, to me. Yeah, selecting larger areas, I think. Because, you know, satellite imagery is so advanced now. Mm-hmm. That's true. So the team found mixed results so far. Ah. Team member said in late August NASA statement, sometimes the dogs found their otter and mink targets outside the projected habitat suitability, which I think okay. was a prediction of the satellites. Mm-hmm. And other times, uh, dogs went to a zone the satellites deemed perfect, but came up empty in their sample hunt. So yes, mixed results. But apparently mm. the dogs did a great job overall. Well, that's good on the dogs. <laughs> Satellites need work, I guess. Yeah. At least for determining fields for otter and mink poop. Yeah. I suppose we haven't worked it down. I don't, I don't know what equation it takes to find that. Science isn't quite there yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, do we need it there? Do we need it to the point where we can find feces? Boop, 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 boop. Dog news. <laughs> LA shelters now allow volunteers to walk evidence dogs. Hold on, I'm clicking on it still. <laughs> so yes, there's a photo of Bruce in the article mm. on latimes.com. Article by Melissa Gomez and Dakota Smith. And under Bruce's photo, it says Bruce spent seven months at a South Los Angeles animal shelter as investigators sought charges against his owner. Under a previous practice at the shelter, dogs like Bruce remained off limits to volunteers for regular walks or yard time. A Times Review found. So, yeah, it's a very sad story. Yeah. But with a turnaround, mm-hmm. the five-year-old dog named Bruce had really suffered a terrible life by the time he was housed in the Los Angeles City Kennel. Uh, there was just a very yeah, brutal attack while he was at a shelter in South L.A. And then Bruce had to spend many months just... Um, in the shelter as investigators sought charges mm. against just this yeah terrible attack yeah and you know he trembled in his kennel and looked scared according to visitors but remained off limits to volunteers for regular walks or yard time because of the ongoing criminal case sure that is a terrible thing when an animal becomes evidence yeah. in a trial i think that's something that got highlighted a little bit when all of the um like the tiger king stuff started coming out like oh. you know just the whole idea that yeah. when animals are part of a criminal trial they are treated as evidence in a way because they are the subject just like a person would be if you know someone died or someone was you know brutally attacked your that experience is the is the basis of the trial but with animals they do just get housed it's it's not like they're regarded as people in a way because they're not but it's at the same time it's such a weird like it's a dark side to um the criminal justice system where animals are just put in shelters and not really given the best treatment even though they've suffered horribly at the hand of a human yeah it's It's not like a person would be given treatment i suppose i mean i'm sure there's an emergency service and all that kind of thing i'm not saying they're totally neglected but like when there's lack of volunteers and lack of, you know, training resources for for abused dogs, that just kind of creates a, a worse chain of um, 
this view of a dog being unadoptable. Well, the yeah, the article says that, you know, that already understaffing in crowded shelters led to long wait times for dogs needing to be walked. Mm-hmm. But until recently, uh, the department's practices around so-called evidence dogs uh, left those animals further neglected by completely denying them socialization and, you know, getting to go on walks and yeah. any time out in the yard that could help their rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, even when it was clear that evidence dogs did not pose a threat or demonstrate a pattern of aggression, the volunteers, whom the department relies on to exercise and adopt out animals, uh, were told to not handle them. Right. It's just, yeah, it's a matter of policy. Until recently. Yeah. Animal Services changed its practice in June, notifying staff that volunteers could start walking the animals, provided there are no safety concerns. So that's some good news. There. That is good news. Yeah. And yeah. But a weird, yeah. Path and dark side of life. And I will say too, the example I gave of Tiger King, that's kind of an extreme because those are like wild exotic animals. Well, sure. But you know, dogs, it is kind of sad though, that in a lot of instances, dogs that are evidence in a criminal trial, they are not allowed socialization because I don't know what the idea is that it might change them before the trial or i don't know what the idea i don't know that doesn't make sense to me i guess in the in the long run why not rehabilitate them so they can be readopted yeah the article mentioned that in 2014 they looked into it but there was just such a yeah shortage for volunteers for i suppose dogs that were already allowed to be yeah cared for hmm well i'm glad that they've changed their rules and yeah definitely all that stuff That's hopefully yeah news. volunteering is better Hopefully. Going up on on some level. Oh, yeah. I'd hope so. I mean, especially nowadays, too, where people are able to, you know, not be stuck at home all the time. You know, maybe there was a... Hopefully, there'd be a little bit of a surge in volunteer work. Who knows? Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Dog news. Number three. (laughs) The absurdly high-class diet that Queen's dogs followed. Big change here in uh, <laughs> in in tone. Well, you know, it's just like the news. It's sad the queen died this week. Come on, it's true. It's yeah. not a change in tone. We it's, well, I suppose, but we're we you know, are going tone from shift. abused animals to the literally like the ro- most royal animals in the world. But yeah, I could I could have handled that shift. No, that's how the real better. news goes. <laughs> you know, that's moving just... on to something that's tangentially sad. <laughs> But no, it is sad that the queen died. But, you know, now we... Well, I don't really... I wish it would have kind of just went to William, personally. I don't really know. I I don't know if I'm alone in that thought. I feel like that's kind of a, a very... Maybe an ignorant thought. I don't know how British people would feel about that. Will I am? No, not will I am. No, God. He's the king of music. No, I'm just kidding. He's William good, but he's not king. Blake... <laughs> No. <laughs> I can't think of any other Williams. Um uh William Shakespeare. <laughs> William Shatner? Oh, there you go. Is he still alive? Yeah. Uh-huh. RIP <laughs> in the future. No, he's still alive. So he would you think he should get the throne? No. Not really. Well, if one thing's for sure, Maybe according the to mash.com, Starship Enterprise. <laughs> Well, if one thing's for sure, according to Amberly McKee from Mashed.com, the queen definitely loved her corgis. 
She had 30 in her lifetime, according to VOA. Yeah, there was a, a Corgi family tree that was recently published. I'll, wow. I'll add that to the links. Yeah. Nice. With a love this deep, it's probably no surprise that the queen was picky about what her dogs ate. Former royal chef Darren McGrady told Hello Magazine that dry kibble was completely off the table for the pups. He revealed that every week, the kitchen would get a menu specifically for the dogs. That's intense. (laughs) A quote from him is, One day it would be beef, the next day chicken, the next day lamb, the next day rabbit, and alternated through those days. Hmm. He explained, The beef would come in, we would cook it, dice it into really fine pieces, and then we did the same with the chicken. Seems like a good process. Yeah. And then he, he continued, we'd poach them and again chop them really, really small to make sure there were no bones so the dogs wouldn't choke. That's important. <laughs> and yeah, that was their whole food routine. I think it's funny. Uh, he goes on to say, or Robert Lacey, who's a royal historian, um, he said that the queen's best friends are corgis, these short-legged, ill-tempered beasts with a yap that doesn't appeal to many people in Britain, but was absolutely crucial to the queen. That's such a flip of how it is in America. Corgis are so loved here. And I'm sure they are in Britain, too. But it's interesting to hear a perspective that her her dogs were just kind of mean. <laughs> like... You know, you always think, oh, they must be so well behaved, but maybe not so much. Well, I don't know. In like a fancy palace, I can imagine a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> not liking dogs as much. But yeah. Royalty always seems to. True. So that's all the dog news stories I have. Oh, but boop, 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 dog news. I have one too. What? what? Okay. So this one what? my mom sent me and I, I, it's a Facebook story. It's not like a news story, but I thought it was pretty interesting. So this is a story. I, I hope it's true. It's from the page Take My Paw. My mom sent it to me. Jerome Horowitz, famous for playing Curly in The Three Stooges, was known to all as a protector of dogs. Curly's contract with Columbia mm. Pictures included a clause that allowed his dogs to accompany him on the studio lot. Columbia limited it to no more than two dogs at a time. <laughs> this due to the puppy's unplanned on-camera appearances from time to time. You can still see those surprise dog on set invasions in the first few short films. Typically surrounded by various dogs, Curly was known to come home with a stray dog and foster it until he could find it a permanent home. Oh, wow. When the Stooges were out on the road, Curly took it upon himself to find a new home for at least one stray dog in every town they visited. Now, this is where it begins to sound like a little bit of a tall tale to me, <laughs> but who knows? He if... traveled across the country yeah, and ran a home for every dog. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Curly is estimated... This is and where that's it why really we gets have to tall tale Curly is estimated to have saved and rescued more than five thousand dogs in his lifetime now well, if he did it every day that's the thing and <laughs> i'm looking through <laughs> the comments are so hilarious it's like wow he and betty white would have made a great team for the animal world <laughs> or like love curly we would have been best friends <laughs> like this is all on facebook so i i bet there's some truth to this story he probably was a very caring activist and probably did help at least one Good dog dogs. Adopted. I am. I would like to know if there's any listeners out there, either now or in the future, who know if there's truth to this or if there's like a site. I couldn't really find the source. I literally just pulled it five minutes ago because Mo, Larry, are you out there? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know. But either way, that's Shamp. my that's my boop 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 dog news. <laughs> All right, nice. Yeah. 
But um, boop, well, boop, boop, boop. secret dog news. Oh God, do you have more? Belly up. Wilmington's <laughs> first dog bar serves sips for pups and their humans. So this story comes to us from PortCityDaily.com of Wilmington, North Carolina. It's because it's secret dog news. Mm. Articles by Shea Carver. You'll have to Google it, folks. <laughs> I'll add it to the links. <laughs> People and their pups can now belly up to the pine at Rough Draft, the area's first dog bar on Wrightsville Avenue, which opened over, we- over the weekend. That's fun. It's a trend gaining momentum, adding to the bottom line of a growing pet industry that in 2021 drew $126 billion in treats and food. Wow. Supplies and medicine. Vet care. Not as much dog dog bars no <laughs> but other services this is as a very well. small part in the pie chart <laughs> yeah. of the dog of the pet industry's revenue but it's growing fast <laughs> it a- actually it really is <laughs> i'd say so myself in chicago you see a lot of dog friendly like patio bars and things yeah. like that yeah yeah so uh owner sam steger uh, is adding to the list with rough draft long <laughs> list of dog bars first i thought you said sam seeger sam steger isn't no bob seeger is a, is a musician isn't that that's bob seeger right bob seeger no, yeah uh, yeah he's a guy you might want to fact check that <laughs> so yeah, he's been working on the project since spring originally intended to be part of uh burger joints expansion Ooh, i do love a good burger <laughs> do they have burgers for dogs uh, it was originally intended to be a burger joint expansion, but I think uh, now it's reworked to be a dog bar. Well, you know, all's fair in love and dogs. <laughs> okay, yeah, so his, uh, his burger place is Mess Hall. Okay. And here's a quote from Steger. Steger. <laughs> we already have problems with people trying to bring in dogs at the current Mess Hall. So I could already see problems with the messaging if we were opening a dog park at a restaurant and bar. And explaining to people dogs could only be allowed outside, not inside the restaurant. I see. So this is why he chose not to make it in a yeah, restaurant. That makes sense. So yeah, Rough Draft welcomes dogs off-leash inside and outside. An 11,000 square foot dog park is situated between the new mess hall, his new burger place, and Rough Draft. Wow. But only accessible by checking in at the dog bar. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the park is complete with a dog wash station, trash bins, and waste bags, as well as picnic tables. Wow, a dog wash station? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Like at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Newly planted trees and bushes around the, surround the open space. And there's a 1,500 square foot small dog park that is sectioned off for little smaller dogs. Ah. Yeah, and they say they're planning to bring in toys, because, yeah, outside toys aren't allowed, but... Get more activities for the dogs, obstacles, and things. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, huge space and just really cool development in the world of dogs. Definitely. <laughs> I like that there's a mini dog park for mini dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they need their own space sometimes. That's true. They'll That's still true. bark at the big dogs through the fence, but <laughs> they're safe there. protected. Yeah. <laughs> Bicker amongst each other. <laughs> well, now I guess that really is all we have, huh? I... I guess. I mean, I don't have any surprise. Boop, 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 boop. Bonus dog news. Oh my god. <laughs> will will it ever end? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> From DaytonDailyNews.com. Complete, in-depth, dependable. 
Dogs get ready to strut down the catwalk. So there's less than one week away. Wouldn't it be the dog walk? No, it's the catwalk. No, it's still the catwalk. I guess. It's okay. This article's by uh, Jessica Grau. Okay. G-R-A-U-E? Probably just Grau. Perhaps. So there's less than one week to purchase tickets to what Jessica (laughs) Grau calls the most barked about fashion show of the year. On the catwalk. Yep. Dogs on the catwalk. is It's the name of the event. Mm. On October 1st at Sinclair Community College. In where? Uh, this is in Dayton. Dayton. Dayton Daily News. In Ohio. Yes. I, yes. Okay. Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> I hope so that's clear. where that is. And everyone in and around Dayton, October 1st. You have less than a week to purchase tickets. <laughs> well, even more than, even less than less than a week Sinclair now. Sinclair Community College. Comes out. I thought this just sounded like a community episode. Oh, oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, that's that's true. I can see that. Where the they, event is they a luncheon dog show. Uh, the event is a luncheon in Howl Oween pet fashion show. Oh no! To benefit Ellie's rainy day fund. Okay. Which helps pay for specialty and emergency veterinary services to families who otherwise could not afford it. Well, that's important. Yeah. That's for a good cause, people. Definitely. That's what Dean Pelton's saying. Go get those dog costumes. Come to the Halloween I like pet the, fashion show. I'm like a dog the, dressed as a fireman. I saw a costume of two Frenchies dressed up as nuns, and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen <laughs> in my life. So do that if you have a French bulldog nice. or a Boston Terrier. Why specifically those breeds? It just looked really funny. I guess their I heads know. are kind of boxy, so. Yeah, and they had, like, they had like costumes where it's like they have the little feet that you like uh like strapped to their paws so when they walk it looks like a nun is quickly walking right it's yeah very funny. <laughs> those are fun yeah i'm sure this will be a big hit at the halloween pet fashion show they're praying for on you. october 1st <laughs> so all the dogs featured in the fashion show were saved by the fund that the show is supporting oh, pretty ellie's cool. rainy day fund uh, anyone who has ever donated can feel fantastic because they can see how they've made a difference, said executive director Julie Burnell. But if you're going to go, ticket sales close September 19th, people. That isn't, well, it'll be in four days. Four days when, from uploading. Yeah, from the release of this episode. So hopefully date nights are on this. <laughs> Daytonians, the Daytona 500. I assume there's 500 people in Dayton. And that's why they call it that. I don't know, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. Well, is now that all, is well, that all of the news? Is that all the dog news? I suppose it could be all of the news. Yes. Oh yes, it is. Okay. So we thank you for listening to this week's episode of We're Getting a Dog. Thank you all so much. I don't believe you when you say that there's no more dog news. No, there's no more. That's it. Don't look at my laptop. Okay. Well, I can't really. I tried, but I can't. So why don't you take us out of this week's episode then? All right. Remember, everyone, help out your local shelters any way you can, whether that's donating, volunteering, fostering, or adopting, and help control the pet population. Have your pets boop, 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 spayed or neutered. Okay, now I'm confused. Are we ending the episode or did you like, are you sneaking in a story? That was a false start. 
Oh, I see. It was, it was just, just it was a fake out. It was a fake. Yeah. Boop to boop, spade or neutered. It was a sight. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll see you next week when we'll come back with another breed episode. And that'll be for me. Yay. Yippee. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Wesley Van Hoosen and Dylan Naylor are not pet professionals. Any advice regarding pet ownership and the responsibilities thereof taken from this program should be checked with your veterinarian. All episodes are researched thoroughly, fact-checked, and additionally researched during post-production. Annotated bibliographies of every episode can be found at we'regettingadog.com slash bibliographies. This podcast is hosted by Dylan Naylor and Wesley Van Hoosen. If you'd like to reach out or submit a photo of your dog to be featured on our social media, please contact us at WGAD at ArcadiaPodcastNetwork.com or on our Instagram at We're Getting a Dog. Thank you for listening to We're Getting a Dog from the Arcadia Podcast Network. Hello, listeners. Wesley here to talk to you a little bit about how you can support this show. For each episode of all of our podcasts here at Arcadia, we spend our own money on books, articles, and other materials so that we can bring you podcasts that are thoroughly researched and fact-checked. All of the hosts and producers of these shows also work full-time jobs in addition to the podcast so that we can support this passion we all share. If you'd like to support us at We're Getting a Dog, as well as the other podcasts in the Arcadia Podcast Network, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash we're getting a dog or our website, we're getting a dog.com slash support. For as low as $2 per month, you can get access a day early to every new episode of We're Getting a Dog and other Arcadia Podcast Network shows, such as Coffee's On and Good Food for Bad Friends. And at higher levels, you can get one-of-a-kind swag. Thank you for supporting the Arcadia Podcast Network and for listening to this podcast. Now back to the show.